0: sports radio 1043 the fan every saturday morning it's terry wickstrom outdoors terry takes you inside the outdoors you know hunting fishing camping it's terry wickstrom outdoors now here's terry all right we are back and we're going
1: to go right to the phones and joining us as he does every saturday at this time One of our favorite outdoorsmen and one I know who could survive for at least an hour out in the cold, Nate (laughs) Zielinski. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? We're doing great, and I know we're going to talk fishing, but we've been talking a lot of outdoor survival, and I've been giving a lot of tips and giving some trivia prizes away. Um, With the number of people that are going outside, and we don't have to get in-depth on this, Nate. I want to talk fishing with you. But with the number of people going outside, I I posted an article on my Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and just, I'm not talking about naked and afraid survival and you know two weeks in the outdoors. But people get themselves in trouble, and a few tips may keep a, a inconvenience from turning into a tragedy.
2: Oh, I, I hear you, Terry. And I, I just heard you say you can go weeks without food. I, uh, I've gone about five hours before in life, but it was getting pretty uh, pretty glim at that point. So uh, I, I don't know about that one. But no, all
1: reality, hey, you you're know what? very right. I think all right. Before we talk fishing, I, I. Before we talk fishing, i got to tell you my food story, okay? When I used to teach outdoor survival classes, we'd always ask people, what do you need with you, you know, the th- things you need? And they always would say a power bar or a cliff bar or something they needed in their pack for survival, right? Well, they would eat that the first hour they were outdoors long before they were lost or injured because it tastes good. They never had it if they needed and if they were going to be there for days. So we told them if you're baking a survival kit that's going to last you all, that you think you might have to survive for days or days, put the best dry dog food you can find in a baggie and put it in your pack. I'll guarantee you (laughs) won't eat it until you need it. (laughs) <laughs> and you'll figure out how long you can go without food. Cause when you get to where you need that, you probably needed it.
2: <laughs> that, that's probably the best story I've ever heard. It's just very much the truth. You know, uh, I, I think you're right. Fire is everything. Um, if people, you know, you, you my biggest thing, I, I've taken multiple survivor classes and, you know, I carry two Bic lighters in my pocket at all times. I don't care if I am home on the couch or on a backcountry hunting trip. Um, I carry two Bic lighters in my pocket. Anytime you can test me any day of the week. I have not, walked a step of life in the past 15 years got two big lighters in my pocket because uh fire saves your life it, it's absolutely it and you know there's waterproof matches and this and that and uh you know quick shout out to old bick you can set a big lighter out in the elements for two months and uh you go grab it and i'll tell you what the thing always works uh so good cell phone with gps uh two big lighters and some perfect bars and, and you're going to survive that's for sure well, you don't need the bars, but we're okay. <laughs> I got to give a quick shout some... out. On. You guys can hear that. In the, you can hear that in the background. You can hear the fly rod zinging. I'm up here at spinning. Got to give a a shout out to Cody and Ben. We uh we have got double fish just constantly on our rod. So uh, we're coming live from Spinney's day. Wow, and I've I've heard nothing but great reports from up there. Of course, I've heard them from you, but <laughs> 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 but but tell, what is is it is it it's as good as we've heard, right? It is, you know, Terry, right now, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of at the peak of that midge hatch, you know, the big corona midges. Um, the fish are stacked up. They're still in deep water. Um, you know, so I'd say the shallow fish we're seeing are, are in that seven to eight foot deep fish are in 12 foot. Uh, we're putting corona midges real low to the water. These fish are cruising almost bottom, uh, but just gorging on those bugs. And I, I tell you, this bite is, is second to none. I mean, it's pretty, pretty easy to get a 50 fish day consistent uh, and, you know, rare to get fish under, under 20 inches. So just, just a dynamite bite. If, uh, if, if still water fly fishing is something you have not done, it is something that you need to do like now. If you're listening, jump yeah. in your truck, get the boat, get the float tube and head up here.
1: Oh, and I want to tell you, I am, I, um, you know, we, we always, we fish those fish, both fly rods and conventional, you and I. But I, I one of the ways I used to fish them with a fly rod when they were in that eight, 10 foot depth was put about an eight, 10 foot leader on under an indicator and then cast it out and let that leaders sink down with that fly and and just wiggle that indicator. Are you doing any of that,
2: or are you trying that, to get down with sinking lying? Thing. So I'm running 10-foot leaders, uh, a chronomage, you know, six inches off bottom, and every 30 seconds you just twitch that indicator about two inches, and, and more times than not you twitch it, and instantly that indicator is is gone. Um, and I wouldn't say that uh, any of this is a, is a real light take. Uh, I mean, you almost got to hold on to your rod uh, after you twitch it. So it, it's a cool bite. We uh, I'm literally holding a net in hand right now trying to net a 24-incher <laughs> as we're talking, so. Uh the, the bite is good. But definitely what you said, uh, Toronto Mids uh, under an indicator is is definitely the the ticket right now for sure.
1: All right. Well, you want to talk walleyes too. And, you know, um, we're getting to the point from now until the next maybe three, four weeks where we're going to hit what was known as the summer peak. And I know you'll update as to where we're at in that. But when you hit that summer peak, if
2: you can't c- catch walleyes, you need to take up bowling or <laughs> chess.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: true, Terry. You know, and, and I, I can't even imagine what's ahead. I mean, we honestly, we keep talking about how we're, we're literally you know weeks ahead ourselves i mean what our true summer peak is which is that first week of june we started seeing those type numbers and those type activity in may um you know we're approaching june now and we're already on hundred fish days i can't imagine what the coming weeks going to be it it is just the year of the walleye um you know and reports from pueblo cherry creek chatfield boyd aurora i mean a, a walleye fisheries all across the front range are just on fire and like we talk about it it's a great time because it's anybody's game um, You know, I would say that if I'm looking for numbers of fish I'm, I'm pulling live bait rigs, your lindy rig techniques, if I'm an angler that is looking you know, for some slightly bigger fish, uh, I'm throwing plastics paddle tails, you know, and jigs in a little bit shallower water, but you could be a crankbait fisherman, you're going to catch fish right now um, I know a lot of guys that are 100% artificials and they live on jigging wraps and that bite's going right now um, it's one of those techniques the walleyes are on structure as um, shallow as 4 or 5 foot as deep as is 20 foot um, and you cannot go wrong. Find that structure, trust your graphs um, and you're going to catch fish. It, it's just the way it is. So um, it, it you cannot go wrong right now. We, we're having situations where I'd say if you're a new angler and or, you know, family kids, um, you know, my kids at six years old um, can go out to, to Chatfield right now with live bait rigs and have 40 fish days individually. You know, the two of the two six-year-olds together are catching 80 fish a day type thing. Um, so so the bite is good. Uh, but, again, I think you keep in mind the the slight little things I said. Um, so many guys are out to say Chatfield and they're fishing the roadbed and fishing the traditional structure with live bait rigs, you know, and they're getting one, what we call a legal fish, an 18 inch fish, you know, for every 30, 40 fish they catch. And you hear so many guys that they just keep pounding the same fish. They keep on the same thing. Um, and they just keep telling themselves, Oh, the next one's going to be big. The next one's going to be big. But in reality, you know, those, those juvenile males and those immature females are hanging together. Um, so if you are listening to this and you're frustrated with the size fish you're catching, um, you have got to go shallower. We've talked about it for years and years on the show. Um, but yet it seems that so many people are not doing so. Um, shallower water is going to hold those bigger fish and even start looking at structure. Um, I mean, as a walleye angler, I know that we see weeds and we see shoreline brush and, and that's the last thing we think about, you know, fishing because we're a walleye angler. We want to go to deep water structure. Um, but right now as these fish are our last year's bait fish um, are starting to get pretty big the bait fish are just spawning for this year um, now's when these fish are looking for alternative food sources now is where they're looking to that shallow water to find the the, the best forage base in the lake and that's where your biggest fish are going to be so if you're that angler that that is looking to catch those bigger fish whether to, to get a meal or just bigger fish in general um, shallow water is one of those things and now's the time for, you go know, hey throw a slip bobber on the edge of the weeds throw a, a little weed Bait, throw a crank over the weeds. Um shallow water is the key to catching those bigger fish right now.
1: Well, and a couple points to make there's a reason in this time of the year why bass fishermen catch a lot of walleyes. And, well, the guys <laughs> who know how to catch the big walleyes catch a lot of bass because they're in there. And, you know, this is only going to last shallow for a while. If, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but eventually those bait fish will spawn and that'll pull a big fish out to the suspended bait where they can eat more efficiently. But while this is going on, it's one of the few times when you can take a lot of bass fishing techniques, even throwing, like you said, you can throw uh, crankbaits or, uh, right up in the brush. Don't be afraid to throw a crankbait right against the tree.
2: 100%. You know, we, we talk about this all the time. We, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a bass obsession tournament and a walleye insanity tournament a week apart down at Pueblo. And I mean, the top 10 boats in the bass division all probably could have weighed fifteen to twenty pounds of walleye in a five fish basket. We had a walleye tournament the next weekend and it was like nine pounds that won it. Um just because the walleye people and the walleye anglers overlooked those super shallow fish. Um you know I, I tell people to, to challenge us on this. You know, you and I are talking about shallow water walleye's next time you go to Pueblo or Chatfield, find somebody who looks like somebody that's targeting bass or see some bass anglers on the lake and ask them, hey, how many walleyes you caught today? How many did you catch you know overall? Um, it'll shock you at how many of those big fish are coming out of you know two feet of water, three feet of water? Um, like you said, shallow water right now, especially why these fish are cruising around looking for alternative food sources. It is a dynamite technique to catch these bigger fish, and it's fun. Um, you know, not to say live bait things not fun. It's great. It's how we you know grew up fishing. Uh, but you know, casting crankbaits or fishing plastics in shallow water, a little bit more active fishing. Um, it's fun, and it catches a lot of big fish right now. You we have our, our catch rate tournament series. Uh, the next one coming up is June 3rd. So Coming up here soon, um, but we have divisions for bass, walleye, carp, and trout, um, and it's crazy. the The last couple of weeks we've had fish in that 25, 26 inch range, 27 inch range, um, you know, and we're watching these big fish, and, and it's crazy how many of these big fish are coming out of that shallow water. Um, so yeah, just to just to hit home with it, I mean, stay shallow, change up some techniques. You're gonna have a great time. You're looking for numbers, maybe go to that traditional structure, um, but but right now, I'd say from now and especially the next three weeks, um, it is all. about walleye angling here in Colorado you know
1: why don't we take people through we talked about a lindy rig a live bait rig and of course there's bottom bouncers which can be effective if they're across a flat why don't you give a few pointers on how you rig some of those
2: Absolutely. You know, so, I mean, everybody's got their own style. For me personally, um, you know, I spend so much of my time on Chatfield, Cherry Creek. I'm not around snaggy situations. I'm fishing mud and sand for the most part. So I I really put a lot of credit to the success of my technique into my weighting system. Um, You know, a bottom bouncer is not one of those things that I'm fishing in these situations. I think it's a great technique to use, but so many anglers just jump immediately to the bottom bouncer. Now, when I'm in rocks and I'm in very snaggy situations that's where that bottom bouncer excels um, on places where you have a very smooth almost graded bottom um, I want to take the attention away from my weight system and I want to put all the attention on my rig so when I'm out there I'm running very small weights not necessarily light weights uh, you know, I'm running a half ounce to a one ounce weight but I want it small in size You know, so you could use a sliding egg sinker I use round cannonballs, a bell sinker um, biggest thing to that is I want a very small weight system to where my fish are not focusing on my weight they're focusing on my live bait. So I have that small weighting system. I put a barrel swivel I always start off with four feet of line, and then I go to my hooking system. So whether that's going to be like a Trocar Revolve hook, like a, you know, some sort of form of a slow death technique, um, you know, or maybe it's a two hook harness or a single hook with a leech. Um, but my biggest thing is, is a is a smaller, you know, low key presentation on the weight barrel swivel, four feet of line, um, and then I run that hook system. One of the biggest things I think that I see anglers making a mistake on with their live bait rigs, you know, modern fishing line has taken off. We do shows about fishing line, and I think. So many anglers are so focused on floral carbon um, and the fish not seeing it. When it comes to my live bait rigs, I want a almost naturally buoyant monofilament. Everybody goes to floral carbon from that wading system to their hook, and that floral carbon sinks, and it actually is going to drag that bait down, take away from the natural presentation of that live bait, um, and it's going to cost you more snags, and it's going to cost you some bites. So in most of my live bait situations, I'm running six-pound mono, you know, good old-fashioned triline X tee, um, and, and it's just a, a lighter line. It's going to keep that live bait up off the bottom. It's going to keep it in the strike zone. It's going to help me catch more fish. So uh, two things with, with live bait rigs, smaller weight, uh, not necessarily lighter weight, but smaller in profile, uh, and run mono leaders. And those two things combined are going to put a lot more fish in the boat with the traditional techniques.
1: That sounds great. Nate, we got to go, but tell people again what you got coming up
2: and about your guys. That- Absolutely. You, know, you can check everything out on Facebook, Tightline Outdoors. You can go to our website, Tightline Outdoors, Tom. But the biggest thing, guys, catch rate coming up June 3rd. It's at Chatfield North Boat Dock, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, make sure you attend. It's a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, just hope everybody has uh, has a good time on the water and gathering and catching fish.
1: We will talk to you next week, my friend. Talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, the folks from Kirk's Fly Shop and Estes are going to join us, and we're going to talk... Fly fishing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on
2: 1043 The
4: Fan.
1: You're listening Don't know to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors run. on what 1043 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones and joining us from Kirk's Fly Shop up in Estes is Darren Christensen. Good morning, Darren.
3: Hey, how you doing, Terry?
1: You know, I'm doing great. We've been talking survival. I know we're going to talk. Rocky Mountain National Park and the Big Thompson. But before we do, i got to tell the people, I really appreciate the participation we've got on the text line of people on our survival questions, but the one guy who thought the answer was, I didn't listen to my wife, hey, that happens all the time. That will never be a trivia question. I just want you to know that.
3: Uh, I like that one.
1: Yeah. We really, we're doing a lot of, uh, you know, people go out on a fly fishing trip, a hike in the park. You guys are familiar with all this. And we're getting so many new people outdoors. We've been talking a lot about just the, the basic things that people don't understand how quickly hypothermia can set and how you can get in trouble. And hopefully we're going to keep all these people getting out there from turning a uh, an inconvenience into a tragedy. But there's lots of reasons for them to be out there fly fishing right now, isn't there?
3: Oh, yeah. And, you know, the park just opened on Wednesday, so, you know, we're finally getting to get out there, and the fishing's been excellent. Those fish haven't seen a fly in, you know, six months or more, so. Oh, so take,
1: yeah, so take us to, let's start with the park, then. What are you seeing for conditions, and what are the opportunities up there?
3: So, you know, because it's so late in the spring as far as them opening it, the, Upper lakes, a lot of them are already thawed out. Um, anything that's probably 9,500 feet or lower are 100% thought out. And even some of the stuff that's, you know, around the 10,000, the 10,000, you know, 200 feet range are at least partially thought out at this point. And uh, we got a chance to fish a couple of them, you know, on Wednesday and Thursday, and they're fishing really well. Um, you know, the cutthroat lakes like fern and spruce Those they're kind of in that pre-spawn mode. You know, the ice has been off for probably a couple weeks up there now. And so they're feeding hard, getting ready to start doing their spring thing. Well, and I'll tell you what, um, if people
1: want to see some of this stuff in action, too, we just posted on my Facebook page this week, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a link to a, a YouTube video that I did with Kirk where we took llamas up on the Roaring River And we were catching, I think Kirk was using a zero weight rod and we were just having a blast up there. Also on my YouTube channel, there is a number of uh, shows with Kirk at different places throughout the year, but there's one that'll come into play later in the year where Kirk and I went by horseback up to some of those high alpine lakes. And what incredible fishing those are when they open up. It's so much bigger fish than you would think for those high altitude lakes.
3: Yeah. Some of the I would say some of the biggest fish in the park are at the highest lakes, um, in my experience. Um, You know, there's a couple lakes in the Lost Lake drainage, so above Lost Lake that hold really big ones. Um, Crystal up in the park holds big ones. Thunder Lake, Lawn Lake, you know, a lot of those really high lakes, for whatever reason, they're deep enough to have good food source and grow some really pretty large cutthroats.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, you mentioned that the Stillwater, and you know, Stillwater fishing is a great option because we are getting runoff right now. Yep. How is the runoff? Are the creeks and rivers in the park fishable, or is a lot of it running a little high?
3: Um, it's all pretty fishable, but it's definitely getting high. Um, some of the, you know, faster moving creeks, like, like say, Glacier Creek, um, don't have a ton of holes that are available, but like the Upper Big Thompson through Moraine Park, the Fall River through Horseshoe Park, you know, where you have those kind of bendy meadow sections. Um, You know, just in the soft water on the insides and outsides of the bends, there's good fish to be had. Yeah,
1: and it's just, what a beautiful setting. I mean, you know, if you're going to go, if your whole goal is to chase giant fish, it's not that you can't get some nice-sized trout at the park, but a lot of times you're fishing for small cutthroats, small brookies, but think of the setting. To me, it's just the essence of fly fishing. You're there fishing these small pocket waters or these high mountain lakes, and you're just in the most incredible setting in the world. There might be an elk across the way, and um, exactly. I don't know. We've we've just seen every – and the park varies. Um, I have a show on my YouTube channel, too, where we just – Karen and I just went to drive-up places
2: yeah. you know, where you
1: could drive up and, and just walk a few feet and fish. And so if you're not a hiker or you don't feel like you're, you know, capable of taking some of these longer walks, there's um, – I caught a whole mess of brook trout right, right one time right off of a sidewalk where people were walking by commenting, you know, and we were 100 feet from the parking lot, right? Yeah, you and, were probably
3: at the inlet to
1: Sprague Lake. I was, exactly. and <laughs> yeah. And it's just – and you can just, it's just amazing. So what, know, so the park is incredible. What else, what else are you guys fishing? I, I imagine you're fishing the big T, big Thompson. Is it, are you seeing a lot of fluctuation, a lot of water? How fishable?
3: Yeah. So the big Thompson has come up quite a bit the last couple of days in the Canyon. They've started letting out some more water. Obviously it's a, you know, it's a tailwater, so they can control the flows. Um, it's 600 CFS today, which is, the biggest that's been this season so far yesterday was only 400. So, um, but again, just, you know, there's plenty of water to be fished along the edges, you know, in the soft bends and stuff, you know, and just normal spring, you know, flies. So worms, Pat's rubber legs, you know, CDC, pheasant tails, um, egg patterns, you know, all that kind of stuff works just fine as well as like caddis patterns Well,
1: and I think you you mentioned the key earlier is even though the water's high, the fish are going to have to eat, but they're going to be positioned different than a lot of people think. A lot of times they're going to be really tight to the bank, aren't they?
3: They are. They're going to be, you know, so don't walk right down into the river and get in. Probably where you got in, that's where they were. So, you know, fish that water that's right along the edges before you start working your way out into the water. Um, nine times out of ten in high water, that's where they're at. And be so careful about even
1: getting in the water. A lot of times this time of the year you don't have to, and it's so easy for even an experienced wader to lose control. And most of the flies you mentioned were bigger, and that's because
3: visibility. The key this time of the year is they have to be able to see it, right? You got it. You know, having a little bit bigger fly. And, I mean, you can trail, you know, like a Pats with, you know, a little RS-2 or a sow bug because they will take that smaller stuff. They have great eyesight, but having something bigger that they can kind of see coming at them definitely raises your chances. Now, some other rivers. I
1: know you guys float to Colorado. What's the situation there? Is it still floatable? Is it totally blowing out? What's happening there? You no,
3: know, it's it's getting pretty big, but it's still floatable. Um, Kirk himself is actually over there floating today. Um, we had some guys do it do a trip over there on Thursday, and they said the salmon fly hatch was unbelievable. So that's going on over there. So, um, you know, that's another option out there. It, the water is definitely getting big, but it tends to get higher there a little bit later than it does, like, up here in Estes. All right. Well, if people um, people are looking for more, info, first of all, can you book guide trips into the park? Yes, we can. Yeah, so we've been, we've actually, you know, starting Wednesday when they open, we had our first one up there. So, yeah, we're taking people up into the park. Um, so just give us a call. Our number is 970 577 0790. Or you can just check us out on, on the old interwebs there at com.
1: And you've got information and guide trips available about all the waters we talked about. And you, you do it. hiking trips up
3: into the park, too, I believe. We do. We do guided hikes. Um, We have llamas, so we do llama packing trips. Um, So those are options as the summer goes. We had our first backpacking trip go out this morning, so we do overnight backpacks as well.
1: And the store itself, you're open?
3: We are open, yep. um, Tell them where you're located. We are 230 East Elkhorn in Estes Park, Colorado and like i said masks are required because of larimer county and everything that's going on but other than that we're good to go and at com is the best way and folks uh I got lots of YouTube
1: on best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Check these guys out, and of course, you know, even if people just want information, you want them to give you an email or a call. But stop by yeah. the store; you'll you'll always help them out. And beautiful store right next to the Dairy Queen. So I it is it right next to the Dairy to the, Queen. You bet. Because my car my car automatically turns at that Dairy Queen. I can gain ten pounds driving by the Dairy Queen. I don't even have to stop. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Darren. Thanks for joining us. A lot of great information and. People just need to start getting up in the park, and you can help them because there's a reservation thing, and you can book trips for them. So
3: that's all a great
1: thing. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Thanks, Terry. You bet. You're listening to Terry
1: Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go to the phones in just a second here, but before I want to tell, I'm so uh, happy with everybody participating in our uh, <clears throat> our outdoor survival trivias that we're doing today. We have one more question. We have one more Leatherman knife to give away, and I'll give that out later in the show here. And it's just been, it's just been fantastic the way everybody's participating. But let's go right to the phones right now. And joining us from Colorado Clays, one of our favorite contributors, Jr. Good morning, Jr.
4: Good morning, Terry. You know,
1: I want to talk to you about an aspect of shooting that has actually plagued me for a long time. But before we get to that, you've got some events and stuff I want to talk about. But one of those events does involve one of our favorite people, Nate Zelinski. And I want to tell all the people listening about the survival that no matter what Nate says, You do not need food with you within six hours of being out.
4: (laughs) You got that right.
1: Sorry, Nate. (laughs) Yeah. So you got some things coming up, though. The first one I know is near and dear to your heart, and that's the Cast and Clays Tournament. Tell us about that.
4: Thanks, Terry. Yeah. So, you know, we all know Colorado Clays is open all year long, and, you know, we offer everyone Colorado's premier public shooting facility uh, we feature the finest state-of-the-art ranges, courses, and fields, which, of course, include our rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, wobble trap, sporting clays, and shotgun patterning with no membership required. But like you said, Terry, uh, only once a year uh, is the opportunity to participate in the Colorado Clays Cass and Clays Tournament. And Cass and Clays is a combination fishing and clay shooting event. It's a two-person team competition. And the object is really simple, Terry, and that is to be the team with the most points at the end of the day. And the way you acquire points is by catching fish in the morning and breaking clay targets in the afternoon. Uh, You'll be awarded one point for each inch of fish you catch and one point for each target you break. The event is Sunday, June 7th, so we're just a week out here. Um the event starts at Bar Lake at 7 a.m. for the fishing portion, and then it ends at Colorado Clay Shooting Park that afternoon for the clay shooting portion. And, Terry, we only have three spots left, so if this sounds interesting, make sure you call the register, and we're still at just $100 per team to get in on this.
1: Well, and So you get the fishing, the shooting, uh, I think there's lunch involved. For your 100 bucks. you get so much.
4: Oh, it's crazy, Terry. And I'll tell you what. Um, we all know Colorado Clays, nobody runs uh, events like us and more efficient at it. But the reason we've been able to keep this uh, price down and available to the average person is because our sponsors. And I just really, real, real quick, I'll run through this. So the big money, the prize money at the top, TransWest GMC always throws in. Uh, buy your trucks there. We do. Uh, they're always behind us. Denver Bass Pro Shops uh... can't say enough they always give us uh, prizes for drawings and such but they also have um, categories promoting family in the outdoors whether it's parent-child categories co-ed categories we even have a couple all-girl teams so thanks to bass pro they always make sure we can give everybody prizes for those uh... colorado parks and wildlife of course michelle out there at bar lake uh... just does a fantastic job could not do it without her uh, always have a good lunch associated with it. This year it's going to be a box lunch, obviously. Ramos Law behind us all the way. Those guys are great lawyers, but they are avid outdoorsmen. They'll have a team in the event as well. And then Jones Fine Sand and Gravel, Lowry Outdoor Adventures, uh, all throwing in on this. And then our dear friend Nate Zielinski uh, always comes up with some goodies, but uh, what, a, what a fun person to go out and do some fishing and shooting with so thanks nate uh, looking forward to see him there as well
1: and i want to apologize to the folks if they heard me coughing there i don't have a mute button at home and i've swallowed my coffee wrong jr so <laughs> right
4: when i said nate Zelinsky, <laughs> yeah about then yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. hey uh,
1: it, no it's just uh it's just a tremendous opportunity and you only have three spots left and um, my goal is to make sure Nate finishes down as far as he can. So we, we always hope for that. But he's just, we love to tease Nate. But the fact that he's willing to put himself out there during this tournament and, and show people, you know, his fishing and stuff, it, it means a lot. He's a great competitor. I also understand you started a new type of fundraiser at Colorado Clays. Tell me about that.
4: Yep. So this will be the first year for this one, Terry. We're calling it Clays for Colorado. And this is a true fundraiser. So this will be June 6th, actually, just the day before Cast and Clays, uh, a week from today. And when I say true fundraiser, the way we're doing this, keeping the entry fee low, it's only 75 per person. Uh, you can enter individually or as a four-person team. And what happens, we pick several local charities. Um, and the neat thing about this event is the people who participate actually vote on which charities get money and we divide it up accordingly we research this we make sure none of this proceeds are for administrative fees or anything like that every penny goes to help the charity that we raise money for and terry this is really cool they're they're not even spending money on trophies we're given certificates for high scores high team scores and a few different things like that to keep the cost down. So if you want to really make a difference in your local neighborhood, uh, give us a call. We'll sign you up for this one. And this is our first year, and I think this one's really going to take off.
1: Now, before we get to I want to talk about dominant eye shooting with you. Before we do that, we've covered these. Why don't you give all the contact information out of Colorado Clay's?
4: All right. So easiest is going to be to give us a call, 303-659-7117 or if you want to send us an email at com, and we'll receive that and get back to you send a phone number we'll call you we can do an over the phone payment get you registered for either of the events real simply
1: all right now we're going to talk today shooting wise about something that's actually plagued me my entire shooting life and no, it's not my just lack of accuracy, so. <laughs> but but it may be part of the cause. No, actually I used to be a pretty good shot. At least I thought it was, but um, dominant eye, people don't understand they have a dominant and a, you know, eye and it helps control your actions and how you do things. I was plagued by this early on because my left eye is my dominant eye. Yet when I started shooting as a youngster, you know, I, shoot with hand-me-down firearms from my uncles, my dad, my grandparents. And most of those had a side ejection on them for a rifle or shotgun shell. And they ejected to the right side. So shooting left-handed would put the shell right in my face. Now, I am right-handed, but I have a left-dominant eye. So I had to learn to shoot right-handed. And I still do some shooting left-handed, too, both ways. I actually do both. Um, But it can be a real dilemma for people if they don't understand it, can't it?
4: Oh, absolutely, Tara. And and here's the thing. So, you know, I'm by no means an optometrist or anybody like that, but I do watch tens of thousands of people shoot at over 4 million targets a year here. And I work with them from all levels. And eye dominance is something that doesn't really get talked about that much, but it really should be one of the first things addressed when a person is shooting. And if we start with the beginners, Probably the number one thing I do once we get the basics is check that eye dominance because, you know, luckily most of us have the same, you know, handedness and eye dominance, meaning, you know, right-handed, right-eye dominant. But a lot of people are opposite, and rather than taking them out there not knowing what you're doing and uh, starting off on the wrong foot, uh, there's a few things you can do. So a lot of folks, it's awkward either way when they're beginning to hold a gun up. So um, it's easier to start them with their head on the gun, uh, their dominant eye down on the gun, and a lot of folks are really quite ambidextrous when they start, and you can put them light years ahead by doing that. Uh, some folks it is too awkward you know, to go left handed if they're right eye dominant and such, and a lot of them will try and close an eye, but that is really not the preferred method. So there are things to do with blocking the lenses on glasses and such to make the view of your uh, non-dominant eye just slightly better uh, than the dominant eye, and the brain, you can actually train it to use that eye and pick the correct images when you're shooting. And one of the first things I do when I have somebody that's uh, having trouble, Terry, is we talk about it all the time, that Colorado Clays pattern board. Uh, We go over there, get up there, we see where they're shooting, why they're doing it, and get them on track. So it's uh... very important to identify right off the bat now
1: there's a simple way to identify your dominant eye isn't there
4: well sure yeah so generally what you'll do is pick an object at a little distance uh... focus hard on that object bring your index finger up you'll have two images put the the image you think should be correct over the object you're you're focusing on and stay focused on the object when you close one eye, the object will be covered by the image, and then if you close the other eye, it will jump off. The, uh, the eye that is open when the image is covered will be your dominant eye. That's a real simple, quick test on that. And, you, can you, know, do it, some...
1: yeah, you can do sitting in, in your living room right now. Point at something with both eyes open and close one eye and the other, and you'll tell which is your dominant eye very quickly.
4: Exactly. And you know, Terry, I have ran into some folks that have kind of a cross dominance, meaning uh, one is no more dominant than the other. And I even had a, a gentleman a while back, we moved the gun from shoulder to shoulder, and whichever shoulder he was on, the other eye took over. And we had to basically do some focus drills and make the gun disappear and just basically train his brain that where he's staring is where he is shooting. And uh, there's a lot of little things you can do to bring it all Um, together, but you have to identify those issues ahead of time and not go out there and beat yourself up trying to figure out on your own.
1: Now, if you're shooting, like in my case, my left eye is my dominant eye. When I shoot a handgun, I still think my left eye takes over because I have two hands with the gun extended out in front of me in the center. But my right eye, I've learned to shoot shotguns and rifles right-handed mostly Um, Because of the equipment that was available, is there enough good equipment for the um, left eye dominant person for left-handed shooters?
4: Well, certainly, there's, you know, there's left-hand guns and such, no doubt, Terry. But there's also things we can do, um, you know, to, to make whichever side is more comfortable work for you. And I have seen a few exercises, and I, I think you can probably find YouTube some of them that you can actually take and do eye dominance exercises and train yourself which is the correct image, and the brain picks up pretty quick if you do this in the you know correct manner. Uh, and I will I'll tell you I had some uh, issues here uh, come up as we get older. Um, Sometimes the vision degrades at different rates in one eye faster than the other. So I've always been right-handed right eye, but my right eye, the vision in my right eye is going away quicker, and I started noticing some issues, and I had to actually take on, um, you know, covering my left eye, which is the better view now, to get my right eye to take back over. So lots of little things that can be done, but that will just absolutely drive you crazy if you don't know what you're dealing with.
1: We are out of time, my friend, but what great information. If people want more, how do they get a hold of you?
4: Give me a call, 303-659-7117. Go to the website, coloradoclays.com. And if you haven't been to our facility, take the virtual tour and uh, see what a place we have here, Terry. All right. We're going to let you go. We will talk to you in a week or two.
1: We're going to take a quick time out and the first thing I'm going to do when we get back is I'm going to give out the last trivia question on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Like the You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. If you've been paying attention for the last couple hours, we have been giving away Leatherman Knives courtesy of Discount Fishing Tackle in Denver, based on outdoor survival questions. Um, the whole article that we base this on is on my Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, if, you, if you're spending a lot of time out hiking, uh, going on fishing trips, camping where you could get into a situation where you could get lost or injured, read that article. It'll help keep from turning a inconvenience into a tragedy. The last trivia question is going to be a text. And you have to text to uh, 303-713-1043, and of the things in your survival kit that are most important, what do I rank number one? Me, personally, it's in the article. We've talked about it on the air several times. What do I rank number one in your survival kit? And that's text that to 303-713-1043, and you will get a um the winner will get a a nice leatherman knife from discount fishing tackle valued at over 40 dollars. hey you know we gave a lot of tips on survival um go read that article honestly it's not anything difficult to do but it could really help you covered a lot of fishing today and i'll be posting a lot of this on the facebook page at terry wickstrom outdoors and uh, we also covered a lot of fishing that's on our youtube channel I'm going to get some links up on Facebook for some of those YouTube episodes so you can go back and review them. <clears throat> but speaking of survival, hopefully one of our favorite sports uh, procrastinators, nah, procrast- that's the wrong word, Dan. i You're a lawyer. Help me.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, those I saw on Facebook, those knives are awesome. And I was just talking to the guys. I, I think you could really use one, you know, in case you ever actually caught any fish. <laughs> hey,
1: you know, all kidding aside, survival, I brought that up because I'm looking at the Broncos and I know that the new systems are going to involve the tight ends a lot. But, man, they have a full tight end room. What's going to happen there?
0: Well, full and, you know, you got one kind of hopeful star and the rest is just a bunch of mediocre guys. I mean, I, th- I think they'll eject uh jeff hireman you know know, i heard orlando talking about it like you can't even really afford to do anything with him because if he gets hurt you have to pay him so i think they're just waiting for the right time to cut jeff hireman and then you know you've got you know obviously Noah Fant, and then it's just you know guys just filling out the roster so
1: what about the guy who was um drew locks tight end in college i hear good things about him or is it of course he still went low on the draft so there's got to be something
0: yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, his relationship with Drew Drew Lock will be something. It's just a nice thing to keep keep an eye on. It's like you know, you're trying out a new bait, Terry. You don't know what's going to happen with it, but you're excited about it during the week. You toss it out there, and uh, in your case, you probably didn't catch anything. But you know, we'll see what the Broncos have.
1: Oh, gee, it never quits. I'm what on about a roll, J-Cart? baby. I'm on a roll. What no, about there's... Jake Butt? Any chance he's finally healthy and they take a chance on keeping him?
0: No, he's he's definitely a goner. Um, so I, I have a guess, though, for your uh, your contest. I haven't read the article. My... All right. Well,
1: we can, we can take that guess now because I'm sure we've got a winner by now. What's the guess?
0: Right. Well, plus I don't know. Like, I'm not giving the answer. I would say matches or some sort of Flint, some sort of fire starting device.
1: You're absolutely right. I that am... is the answer. Wow. Yeah, that's a when when you're putting your 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 survival kit together, and this isn't for naked and afraid starting out. This is for somebody who's on a day hike. They went fishing, hunting, camping. They got lost or injured. The three things you need are: you need to be able to start a fire, you need to signal, and you need shelter. Food and water are way down the list. People, I get so tired, the media will go, and he survived for 36 hours by eating beetles. Well, he probably didn't have to eat for two or three weeks, and he got sick sick because he ate the bugs, you know. Oh, yeah. But um, And, you know, the article explains all that and why, and we're running out of time, and you always accuse me of taking your time. So even though, even though you use the time on my show to ridicule me, I'm going to make sure you get all your well,
0: time. Well, that was my guess, and my next guess would have been like some sort of, you know, Like you said, signaling device. I don't know if like an ELF or something like that. But, you know, some sort of way to signal your way out of there. That would have been my second guess. Well, well and
1: you are an outdoor guy. You love spending time in the
0: outdoors. I do. I'm not very handy, but I, I enjoy being out, outside.
1: All right. We'll let you talk sports. we are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to wrap things up. Um, hopefully you'll go read the article that we talked about all show on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And I'll put up a bunch of uh, YouTube videos, uh, links for the recently opened Rocky Mountain National Park. And we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobs with sports on 104.3 The Fan.